Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to another edition of Sideline Sports with Jake Malik, John Shearer, special guest Randy Grimes, former NFL player with a new book out now, and of course, VJB Ellis. Uh, before we start, don't forget to download Score No Score, best game in the App Store right now. You want to make sure you download that. Uh, any bold you or up? JB, you kidding me? What, is, What's your what kind of question is this? How do you not... It's sitting next to me every time. How do you not, Randy? I'm sorry. I know you have probably no idea what's happening. This is like every time he asks it. We have it. Of course, I got my manscape stuff. Why do you ask such silly questions? Gotta have the manscape stuff. I mean, Always it's sitting next to me. Plus, it's good stuff. All right, Randy. Thank you for joining us. How you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah, we're it. happy to have you. All right. So. You, you guys are weather okay. up there. Oh, it's starting to get nice. The weather's yeah. starting to change. You know, at the no, end of it, February, beginning of March, it's always that weird. You don't know if it's cold or hot. 61 day. I was going to say, you get those feels days like James Harden's playoff career. You don't know if it's hot. Oh, don't know what if it's is, cold. Jeez. John is just getting right into it. Today. My hamstring, I was thinking about this before the show started. My hamstring was a little tight. Kind of felt like James Harden whenever his hamstring was always tight. No, except for I'm a winner and he's not. That's the only difference between the two of us. Oh, so John. please continue. Still some hard feelings. Wow. Yeah. He's I'm a Heat fan. Feelings. I'm a I'm a Heat fan, so uh I don't like the seventy sixers. I don't care for them. And I don't care for the lack of attention we're getting. That's going to be spoken about a lot wow. I'm sure tonight. Oh, can't wait. All right. Before we do that, let's let's focus on Randy first. He's He's taking time out of his schedule to be here. Let's, of course. We'll, 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 let's do one thing at a time, John. Relax. Sure, why not? <laughs> All right, JB. You were JB. You were talking, and then John interrupted talking about James Harden. Of course. Wait, tell us what your book was the inspiration behind it. Hey, is JB breaking up, or is it me? Yeah, I think that's JB. JB, you there? Nice. You guys don't hear me? No, now we hear you. Oh, so what was the inspiration for the book, Randy? What what made you want to write it? You know, I just uh, I wanted to uh, I felt like I wanted to document my story. You know, I've been telling it so much and uh, I just felt like I needed to get it out on paper. I wanted my family to be a part of it. I wanted everybody to have a platform in it and contribute to it. So it was uh, not only did I accomplish what I wanted to as far as is documenting everything, but also it's a healing process for the Grimes family to, you know, everybody to, to contribute and write down how, what they experienced, how they went through it, what was happening with, while they were going through it, because, you know, addiction is a family disease. And, uh, you know, I, we accomplished that. So the book's already served its purpose. It was a healing thing for the Grimes. And, uh, um, 
So if I don't sell another copy or, or whatever, you know, it's already accomplished what I wanted it to. But I'm really, it really turned out nice. Uh, the reviews have been awesome. There's something for everybody in there. And, uh, you know, I poured out my heart into 234 pages. My family poured out their heart into 234 pages. And uh, we're just real proud of the way it, it, it turned out. And the thing is, you mentioned about how it did its part in helping you guys to heal, but it also does its part in helping others to heal because there's so many people out there that need a book like that to help them, whether it's realize they have an addiction or understand what they're going through. Um, because a lot of times people think that it's a personal choice when people go through these addictions, but it's actually just a disease and, and they can't help it. And the, and they need the support of those around them to help them understand and then take the next step to start the healing process. So really, you're not only helping your family, but you're helping so many other people out there. You you probably don't even I mean, I'm sure you won't be able to, you know, you won't be able to reach every person. You won't know every person you touch, but I'm sure there's a lot of people's lives you, you know, you probably see well, honestly. And that brings up a good point. You know, instead of me just saying, hey, I was born in Tyler, Texas, and then I got sober on September 22nd, 2009. Instead of just having one long story, uh, we're telling our story through the eyes of an intervention that's going on. So there's characters in the book that reflect what you just talked about. You know, there's codependents, there's enablers, there's people that believe the disease is, is, uh, is a moral failing. Uh, there's the stigma. There's there's something in here for everybody because there's a character in here that reflects somebody in every family that's going through this. So, uh, you know, I really like the, the platform that it was written under, the fact that I'm telling my story through these characters uh, of the intervention. And um, it just it just meshed together really well. So, I mean was um, you know a lot of times people look at guys that played in the nfl and different painkillers that you had to take to be able to suit up on a sunday um you know so do you hold resentment towards the game because of that or um you know how do you look at that as opposed to what what caused the issue you know, I, I was that guy willing to do whatever I had to to stay out on the field. And not every guy's like that, you know. Uh, I was not going to get that reputation of always being on the injury report or always uh, being in the training room or always missing practice. I was not. If you ever got that reputation, that was you were sure to have a short NFL career. So that was not going to happen to me. And, you know, you guys remember back in the 80s, I played in an era where we beat the hell out of each other all week long. And hopefully there was enough left in the tank to play on Sunday. You know, the game's changed so much now with the collective bargaining agreements and they don't practice near as much. There's there's fewer injuries during the week and guys are having longer careers. But, you know, that decade that I played, it was that Bear Bryant mentality where if you don't practice hard, you're not going to play hard. And a lot of the injuries we got uh, it, throughout our career happened during the week in practice. And I never understood that mentality. You know, why would you treat your, 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 your greatest commodities, you know, like that and risk injury? So um, th that was just the, the culture back then. That was the mentality. And, you know, I'm responsible for everything I put in my mouth, every pill that I took. But, you know, 
the NFL or the Buccaneers or, the, or, or professional football made it available. And, you know, the whole eight years, eight and a half years that this was going on, not once did anybody ever come up to me and say, Randy, why are you slurring your words? Or why are you late to practice every day? Or why are you nodding off in meetings? Or why are you the last to leave the building every night and pills are missing out of the drug safe? Nobody ever asked me those questions because I was always playing good. And You know, if it ain't fixed, you know, or it ain't broke, don't fix it. And there's a lot of points to touch on that, uh, just a piggyback. Um, I feel like the NFL and, and people around Josh Gordon, for example, really failed Josh Gordon because um, he I feel like he had the same situation where he had a lot of issues and the NFL had an opportunity multiple times to support him, but he just fell through the cracks like a lot of other players do when they fall into these situations. And, and it's sad because, you know, it's not about what could have been for the career, but I mean, these Josh Gordon's a person outside of football. Like each and every one of you are people outside of football. And that's more important than what you do on the field. I mean, I I wanted to ask you because I was there when Calvin Johnson gave his Hall of Fame speech last year. I wanted to ask you about, I I don't know if you saw Calvin's speech, but he basically mentioned that he alluded to talking about how he, he he would have to smoke weed before and after every game just to mask the pain. And the NFL wouldn't help him in allowing him to do that instead of pain, like pain pills and stuff like that. So he just decided, you know, the pain was too much and he'd rather retire than, you know, go with the NFL that wouldn't support him in, you know, smoking weed to, to mask his pain instead of taking painkillers. So what are your thoughts on players, you know, the NFL not allowing players to do that? And should the NFL regulate that so that way players turn to that instead of you know drugs hard drugs yeah and uh, you know Kyle Turley's a big proponent of that and you know I respect that opinion I think there's more research that needs to be done you know that the data that's out there right now doesn't completely support that it's uh, uh, a painkiller so to speak uh, but I am open-minded enough to, to realize that what we do now is not working and that we could, we could, we could do some things better. And, and yeah, I'm open to looking at that, but I also work every day at a treatment center that's full of people that because of marijuana being a gateway that it is. And, and this is not the same dope that we used to smoke back when I was a kid, you know, this stuff okay. is in, genetically engineered. It, it's potent. And um, you know, it, it, I have to say that, in my opinion, right now, based on everything that I see, is that it is a gateway. You know, it's going to lead to something more or the fact that you can't stop smoking it. You know, you lose your motivation. You know, you lose your sense of urgency on anything. And um, so I just I I just want to see more information on it before we start calling it a painkiller, you know. That's fair. And, and, you know, like you said, the place that you are involved with um you know that really gives your opinion it holds a lot of weight you know coming from you so and everything you've been through so i respect that yeah um well and, we, and you know when we do uh surveys and we do uh assessments you know that's the first thing that pops up with a lot of these people that you know have cocaine problems or alcohol problems or 
or uh, opiate problems, you know, is, is the fact that they started with this. Yeah, uh, you, you, I wanted to ask you, because you were talking about it before, how it, you, you felt like you had to take painkillers or anything of that sort to play the game, and that was kind of the culture was if you're not out on the field, you're going to be cut. Like if you're not out there fighting through the pain, you're going to get cut. You know, do you think, I don't want to say you were pressured. I don't know if that's the right word, but do you felt like you almost had to take the painkillers to fight through it because you knew you were going to lose your job? Not because it was something you voluntarily wanted to, at least at first, but because you knew it was either I do this or I lose my job. Yeah. And, you know, I believe that coaches put pressure on team doctors to get players back out there. I believe the, the front office, the general manager and the owners put pressure on team doctors to get players back out there, put pressure on trainers, but nobody puts more pressure on themselves than the players do to get back out there because everybody knows if they're not in their position, somebody else is going to be. And listen, I always had somebody behind me that was really good, you know, whether it was Tony Mayberry or whether I just beat out somebody like Steve Wilson, I knew that he was still around and he could always come back. And listen, I wanted that next big contract. I wanted to be a pro bowler. I wanted to feed my family. I wanted to be the best center that ever played the game. I had high expectations coming in in the second round. And uh, I wanted to live up to those expectations. So most of that was pressure that I put on myself. And, uh, you know, I don't blame the, the training staff. I mean, if anything, it was probably more my fault because – I didn't report injuries. You know, I just threw down a handful of opiates, put my pads on and went out there and suffered in silence, you know, and call it what you want, call it pride, ego or, or warrior mentality, whatever. But, you know, it's kind of like that movie North Dallas 40. If you remember that, you know, you, you stuck whatever you had to in you or you took whatever you had to to get through the through the through the day. Yeah, we perfect. A perfect situation with that would be Antonio Brown this year. You know, with the whole situation in Tampa when they were at the Meadowlands. You know, I mean, he says he couldn't play. That you know, he told him his ankle was no good. Still, Bruce Arians thought he was okay, according to the team doctors. You know, I'm sure when you're at that level, you want to play. You know, I mean, I know whatever level of sports I played, I always wanted to play. Now it's my livelihood. I would imagine I want to be out there even more because I want to make more money and I want to win. You know, so especially when you're that close to the bonus bonuses. You know? Yeah, exactly. So you look at a situation. Yeah, and you look at a situation like that, and you you wonder, you know, what happens in the, in the locker room between the the medical staff, the coaching staff, and the player in a situation like that. It's kind of scary just to see how he's another guy that just nobody ever reached out to 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 kind of bring him and sit him down and, and set him right so that he didn't have some of the problems he had. Yeah, and we don't know what went on behind the scenes and behind closed doors. And, uh, you know, you also have to take into account Antonio's mental, mental state at the time and what was going on there. And, of course, we don't know everything that was going on there. But I do I do know that every team now has a mental health professional that not only has an office at every uh, facility, but also travels with the team. So there's, there's somebody there. Uh, you know, but also there's pride and ego that you got to deal with there. And uh, there, there might have been some of that 
that's raising its ugly head, you know. But Antonio looked pretty healthy running off the field that day. I was <laughs> gonna say he looked okay running off. He looked pretty, uh, pretty okay yeah. to me. Let's, let's and, and you know the same same thing about Josh Gordon. You know, I chased that guy for years because he was a Baylor boy. And that was somebody that, you know, I really cared a lot about and wanted to see get back in the league and be successful. And, um, you know, sometimes some people just aren't willing, you know, or or that pride yeah. in ego keeps them from raising their hand or they think they've got it under control or that they know best. And, you know, sometimes their best thinking got them in that situation. JB, I did want to touch on your comment. You said about nobody reached out to Antonio Brown. He actually was interviewed and asked about it, and he said, "Why every time something bad quote Why every time something bad ha- happens, bad or how someone reacts? Oh, he's crazy. There's something wrong with his mental health." Brown said, "End quote." And they said, "Quote again. There's Hold nothing on. wrong with my mental health." End quote. So John, he real was, quick. They, he was interviewed and he said, Hold on. "There's real nothing quick, John. wrong with me." None of this is your no. fault, of course, but none of that made any sense. I'm just telling you, last... like, no, no, it, I'm, I'm just reading so, word for word. No, of course. I'm just Would saying, care about that wrong? sounds, hold I'm, on, not, hold on. I'm not telling you, I think there's to nothing me, wrong with him. To me, you those words, said. those words do not sound like a person in their right mind. The, I, la- the second I'm sentence, verbatim, right, man. No, no, I know. No, that's not your fault. I'm just saying, the second quote, at least grammatically, I understood what he was saying. The first sentence, I don't understand a word he was trying to say. And I'm not saying that has anything to do and, with what happened to him, I believe, but I'm just confused what he said. I, mean, I believe since, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't know if you saw the hit, Randy, but when Vontez Perfect hit Antonio Brown when he was on the Steelers, that was it. Right then and there, he went from a quiet guy who was productive and he was great to he started to he started to talk. He started, all this stuff started happening after that, and I think that's when – Something got jarred in his brain. I think he has CTE. I think that's when it started. I hope he doesn't. I mean, I never wish that upon anybody. But if, you, if I had to guess, that's what I think that is. But in my opinion, the NFL is never going to, you know, agree with somebody having CTE because there's just too much involved in exactly. that. But I think right. he has but, CTE. And we all probably have it to some degree. You know, does it get worse? Does it make people do what they do? You know, with the athletes that I work with on a daily basis, the former athletes uh, from all sports, a lot of times they want to blame all their problems on CTE, you know, when you can't even diagnose it till postmortem. So, uh, you know, I'm quick to not let guys blame our families blame every issue that a former player has on CTE because a lot of it is just – you know, a lot of it's transitional trauma when they don't have that uniform to put on anymore and they don't have that identity. And that's not just former NFL players. That's from every sport or, or you know, CEOs or anybody retiring from a job they've done all their life, first responders, veterans. You know, when they don't have that identity and that uniform, you know, that's a lot of it. A lot of times the, the, the pain and the injuries just keep getting worse the older they get. So they, they continue to self-medicate like they did when they were in the league. You know, they took care of themselves. They suffered in silence. And a lot of that behavior continues. But, you know, we talk about the Antonio Browns and the guys like that and even Josh Gordon. But we don't talk enough about the guys who slipped through the cracks like uh, Vincent Jackson, uh, yep. Keith McCants. And those are just two Junior recent Junior Seau. Junior Seau. Yeah. Yep. Those are just two recent guys just from the buck organization, you know? Yeah. Wow. 
I mean, and the whole thing with Antonio Brown, though, John, I get what he's saying. That you I'm know, just telling fucked, you what he said, but, word for word. But you know, what, <laughs> in an if interview, you care about somebody when they tell you they're fine. You oh yeah. To them, and if there's a problem, you step in either way because you care about them. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know his support. But, but it's difficult. It's difficult because I've had um, people I know close to me that that have addiction problems. And you've got to be careful because you don't want to you don't want to go too far because you'll push them away. At the same time, like I'm always of the mindset that they they're not going to get the help unless they want the help. You can't you can't make them want the help. You can't get them to help. They got to want the help themselves first before they're going to get that help. That that's what happened with people close to me that had these same issues, and I couldn't push them to rehab and things like that until they took that first step. It's it's a really difficult you know, fine line that you have to walk whenever you're, you know, around somebody who has that and you care about them. It's a really difficult situation. Of course. Yeah, but you know, this, this disease, not whether it's mental health or substance abuse or usually both, you know, this is life and death stuff. And you've got to have that uncomfortable conversation with people, whether you push them away or not. You yeah. know, you've got to, some, we have to say something and, um, push them in whatever direction that we feel like they need to go, or at least talk to somebody who can direct you in the direction they need to go. But we have to have that conversation. You know, it's, it's not having that conversation with people that enable them to continue what they're doing and acting how they are and doing what they do. And that's when people die. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just going away from the book for a couple of seconds. So you went to Baylor. Uh, how excited are you with what they've done with the sports program, with both the football and basketball programs, men's and women's? I mean, they're oh, that is incredible! It's incredible what they've done with the basketball program and, and and the football program. You know, in Coach Aranda's second year, uh, what he was able to do this year. I mean, he he's he's the new man around there. And and you know, last year doesn't really count because of COVID and. They were missing games and missing entire units. Like one game, the whole defensive line had to sit out, you know, and that's so ridiculous. So, so last year doesn't even count, but this last season that he went through, uh, taking them to the big 12 championship and playing and, and winning that big game in the, in the sugar bowl. That was, uh, that was awesome. And Hey, even our equestrian team is number one in the country, you know, our gymnastics team. And that's just, we're just a small little Baptist university on the Brazos River there in Waco, Texas. And we're just crushing people. I think, I think a part of the reason why JB asked that is not only because Baylor's important to you, but JB, I'm assuming he has money on Saturday's game for <laughs> Baylor at some point, or he has them no, in the no, tournament. What's funny is John is probably right. This is JB. No. He always has some sort of betting line behind a team. Surprise so Baylor curious. on Saturday or something. I'm curious where, where he sees Baylor <laughs> I mean, fitting in with, with It's a good you know, question, but I agree with John for once. I think John you might know, be onto something here. I, I, I think I, I am. I know when JB has a betting line tied to I want to know what happens to the big which Baylor and their football program. Where are they gonna go once the big ball kind of falls apart? You know, only only you guys could seriously take a conversation that was so poignant and so just great having Randy Grimes on talking about his book and y'all turn it into JB's betting life. I cannot Thank believe you. that you I mean, guys are you gonna really tell us we're wrong though? Road. Come are on, we're not wrong. We're not wrong. Yes, yes, you both are. John and Jake oh, are both out of order. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Randy, good what? evening, sir. How are hey, you? 
How you doing, a man? Pleasure. Uh, I, I've been sitting back here listening to your conversation, and, and can I just say it's it's inspiring to hear from men such as yourself, athletes who have you know played in a time frame where you had a lot of freedom, and I won't say you got away with a lot, but you were able to sustain the game because you know the NFL is a business at the end of the day, and you're only as good as your next play. To where it is now. Um, I just want to say many blessings to you in your future endeavors because it's it, I, I love talking to individuals like you. I didn't want to come on and interrupt, but I, I do have a question if you don't mind. Um, I heard John and Jake, especially John, because this is what he does, you know, referring to the Josh Gordons of the world and the Antonio Browns of the world. And I Full transparency, being a black man, have a different viewpoint when it comes to those two gentlemen. I don't know them any more than I know you, but I just feel like, you know, environment speaks to sometimes the makeup of an individual. But I feel both of those men rose above that. Looking at your life, looking at, you know, where you grew up and what you have done and what you've accomplished and also what you've had to endure. Was there ever a point where you were like, I'm untouchable. Eric, I'm sure there was. I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't pinpoint it. I mean, I had the same pride and ego issues that any other person that makes it to that level has. Uh, but I also feel like, uh, you know, I was married before I, I, I signed my first pro contract. I got married in college. I feel like I was, we were, we were starting a family just as soon as I got in the league. So I feel like I was grounded to some extent, you know, and, and, and I was in the mindset of being a provider more than, than I was, uh, you know, out there running, running wild with my ego and all that around Tampa. But I got to tell you, man, back in the eighties, we didn't play like that. You know, the, and, and you've got to admit that players are different now than they were back in the 80s and early 90s. Uh, you know, we came from a, a, a different mindset in college that they come from now. Uh, we weren't enabled or we weren't treated as differently as they are now. And I can't even really put a, a finger on what that, what that means by differently, but these players are different now coming out of well, college. And, Listen, Randy, you earned your stripes. You know what I mean? You, you went through the mud and you got you were you basically endured what you had to go through because you knew at the end of the day, there was an opportunity for you to be successful doing what you love to do. And I think that is lost in today's game. You know what I mean? I'm out here at the shameless plug. I'm out here at the National Scouting Combine, you know, and I'm talking to these guys. And it's amazing because these are D2, D3, NIAI, HBCU kids out here who all they want is their shot. They're, they're not the, the Trevor Lawrences of the world, if you will, or the Joe Burrows or the Justin Herberts or the Tua Tagovailoa's, Justin Fields. You know what I mean? They just mm -hmm. want their shot. They don't care where they get it. That's why I enjoy this because it reminds me of days when you yourself, sir, played. You gentlemen worked your asses off to get to where you were. You took no crap from anybody, but you also did what you needed to do. So I have one more question that I am going to jump out of here. You talked about being grounded and you talked about being married prior to signing your first contract. 
do you feel that that was, you know, very, I'm not going to say, you know, uh, a help or a hurt, but do you feel it kept your mind focused as far as I always have to be at top of my game because I have that family to provide for? Yes, it definitely stabilized me uh, to to some extent, whereas that was my focus was my family, you know, and and a lot of that came from the, the way I was raised. You know, I was raised in church. I was raised by a good Southern Baptist mom who had me in church every day. I played for Grant Taft. So that was emphasized a lot those four years at Baylor and the fact that that I went to Baylor and I married a preacher's daughter. So uh, I had I had all those strikes against me as far as being a wild child in, in Tampa, Florida. But, uh, um, you know, I feel like I was grounded most of that time and uh, or, or pretty much all that time. And uh, I don't I don't think some guys have that same luxury, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I getting to uh, I remember getting to Tampa and I had a locker next to Leroy Selman my rookie year. He was that first big pro that I ever had a. Uh, uh, an in-depth conversation with somebody that I'd watched on TV for years. And, you know, the first thing I learned from, from Leroy was you do what you have to to stay on the field. But the second thing I learned from him was that football was no longer a game. It was now a job. Yeah. You know, I, and I, I can I definitely hear you on that one. Play a kid's game and get paid for it. But it wasn't a game anymore. It was now a job. It was a job. Yeah. Yeah, and as someone who is a the grandson of a preacher, I, I definitely feel you as far as being in church on Sundays. And I'm sure your church services didn't go as long as ours did because we got there at 10 o'clock and didn't leave till 4 in the afternoon. At least they tried to beat us or something. But, you know, hey, I just wanted to jump on here really quick, Randy. It is an honor to meet you. I, I hope to, I, I'm excited. Your book is called Off Center. I'm excited to read that. Um, and yes. There you go. Yeah, oh, better. Uh, and gentlemen, thank you for letting me be on. Yeah. Um, I will definitely holler at y'all. But everyone have a great, great night. Yep. Great work. Thank you. Yep. See you, Eric. All right. Where did, where did Eric come from? Eric is our other other member. He just is our fourth co-host. He's uh, you know because he's out at the combine. He's he's a busy man. He's a busy man. We texted him. We said, hey, if you can make it, you can make it. If not, no big deal. But we're like, we he's. He's out there putting in a lot of work. We're 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 holding down the fort here, but he's, you know, he's going doing a lot of stuff. So we're like, all right, well, if you can join, he can join. Hey, you know what? After the last season at Baylor, uh, as soon as I got back from the Christmas holidays, we didn't have a ball game that year. I started working with. Uh, have y'all heard of Clyde Hart, the great track coach at Baylor? He's he's the one that had all those great uh, runners in the Olympics and all that. Anyway, I started working with him on my forty time and my uh, standing broad jump and my vertical leap and all that. And that's what moved me up in the draft so much was my combine stuff. I think I ran like a four seven nine forty, and wow. uh, which was like, yeah, I was like stupid. I, I've never done it again, and, and they must have missed time. <laughs> that's what they uh, that's what they put down and. You know, it's it's that kind of stuff that, you know, it was crazy that how much emphasis they put on the combine as opposed to how you played that last year. It's, it's interesting how it's, how it's put it down. Yeah. You know, how like a broad jump or a 40 time makes a difference in one prospect to another. I'll never understand you know. that. And as long as you can pass that <laughs> test, you know, and 
I know a guy who uh, one of the questions was what was his religious preference, and he said red brick. <laughs> so as long as you don't do something like that, you're okay. Strange, wow. strange, strange, strange. All so right, guys. Was, All right, Jay, what was you your uh, what was your you know greatest memory of playing in the league? Uh, my my first start was in Texas Stadium with all my Texas friends there, you know, my college friends, my family from Tyler. And I had to start at a position I'd never played before, which was left guard. And I had to start against Randy White. So I grew up a lot that day. <coughs> the Manster. And um, that was that that's probably my best memory. You know, I, I hey, I played at Tampa. I don't have a lot of great memories as far as the football field. <laughs> My best season was six and ten, and I played for five different head coaches in ten years. So, uh, no, but I played with a lot of great guys. We had a lot of fun in the huddle with Steve Berg, and maybe that's why we didn't win because we were having too much fun. In the huddle. But uh, some great road trips, you know, <coughs> great times there, and you know, Tampa. I wouldn't go back and change anything, even though my best season was six and ten. I wouldn't go back and change anything because. It was a great place to raise our family and uh, play. I played with a lot of great, great athletes. I didn't have many great coaches and a terrible owner, but I played with some great athletes. Well, Randy, we definitely appreciate you taking the yes, time to come on. thank you so much, sir. Yes, so much appreciated. Where, uh, where can people go get your book? Hey, you can find the book at offcenterthebook.com, and that'll take you to a link where you can get the book or you can just go on Amazon and look up off center or uh, find me at uh, pro athletes in recovery.org or Randy or white treatment.com. And this is the, this is the page real quick for the book. So there you go. That's the That's website it. you were talking about as opposed to Amazon, but there you go. There's one way people can go find it. So there you go. Hey, I've got some great endorsements in there from Coach Cheryl, Coach Taft, and uh, it's pretty cool how it all worked out. Can't wait to read it. We definitely appreciate you taking the time, Randy. It was a pleasure getting to meet you at Radio Row, and, you know, hopefully we get to interview you again in the future. Yeah, I'll see you in Phoenix for sure, right? Yes, looking forward to that. All right, let's do it. All right, Randy. All right, sir. You. Be well. All right, guys. Thank have a great night. Yeah, oh, you're very on. welcome, sir. All righty, gentlemen. All right, John, you said <laughs> you a story? Or... Uh, how about we uh, take a quick break and then come right back? All right. All right. Fine. If you want to be that Recharge. Way. All right. Connecting your brain and body with interactive games and tests. Why is there no physical activity in today's health physical? Fraser is a holistic technology used to rehabilitate, prevent falls, and improve sport performance. Tracer Reports provide you, your clinician, your physical therapist, or athletic trainer, objective data to make decisions on your health and performance over time. Measure what matters to change your game. Take the Tracer Challenge. Confidence. Growth. Connected by Tracer.
All right, John, yeah. now you can tell us the story. Yeah, <clears throat> I was coughing. You said something before the show. I was coughing towards the end of that interview because I haven't said anything. I mean, I've been under the weather, but I haven't said anything crazy in a while. So, you know, <sighs> I cough whenever I don't say something crazy, you oh. know, in a short enough period of time John, when I'm on camera. Favor, give, me, give me like two seconds just because I, I don't know what you're about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Have to say, we're so, not responsible for John's thoughts. So this is second week in a row that is, this. that a story has to do with my nipples. All right, last week I was without what? a shirt. And I, <laughs> hold on, happened. hold on. I'd like to start off by just saying that was one of my favorite things you ever said. As yeah, the second week in a row, something has to do with my nipples. All right, let's go. I can't promise next week will be a third, but stay tuned. Make sure you tune in at eight thirty Tuesday night. However. All right, so I'm at work today, and, uh, you know, this was weird, right? So, you know, I work in a factory. If you know what vinyl is, you know, whenever you, like, you know, cut the sashes for windows or whatever, it's not very fun. But, you know, so I'm pulling the sash off of the rack, you know, to to cut it, put in the machine and cut it. And I got to pull six pieces off, and I pull six pieces off. Well, two slip out of my hand, and I go to catch them, and they, they fall down. All right, they fall down, and as I go to catch them, I accidentally push them in between my nipple, and it pinches my nipple at the same time. Both pieces of vinyl, I squish my nipple, and it hurt really bad. I thought I was bleeding, but I wasn't. Long story short, short, I pinched my nipple with two pieces of vinyl at work, and it hurt really bad. And I had to tell you guys, because this happened at work today. I was like, you know what? Because it has to do with the nipples. This story is coming on the show. Two weeks in a row, I've made sure my nipples were involved. So that's my little fun story for the day. Like I said, now I'm not going to cough anymore because I said something crazy. I had to get that out of my system. So please John, continue with the John, uh, actual sports else. stuff. All right. You were something thank else. You. All right. I, thank you for indulging. Wow. I, you know what? So, last time I heard we were a sports show, right, guys? Yeah. I got something oh, okay. big. Yeah, you something. win some, you lose this some. Will, this will be the first week where we don't talk about football in terms of current football. I think because I don't think we're going to talk about current football this week because um, the big there is something we have to talk about a current football. Oh, all right. What is it? Did you not hear that the Giants were speaking about possibly trading Saquon Barkley? I massive... said this before the season. I don't want to talk about, about that him now. and CMC. They should have been dealt I, before this. I've been saying this that the Bills would be a perfect fit to him. And Get out of here! Months. You're out of order. Get out! How is he out of order? Nonsense. For that? Because nobody wants the Bills to have that. And by nobody, I mean me. You're Get a Dolphins out of fan. here. Get out with that. Not- he's just being stupid because he's a Dolphins fan and doesn't like it. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I don't like it, but I understand it. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised. Bring it on, baby. Bring it on. I would love that. I think I prefer this comment from football to John's nips. I think I like that better. <laughs> I think that's a new catchphrase for the show. <laughs> forget out of order. Advertising. We're gonna for, forget out of order. From football to John's nips. There you go. Beautiful. He's ta- he yeah. could be talking about jump me, John, or John Mizek. There's two Johns. You never know. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Giants trading him wouldn't entirely surprise me because they need draft capital. They need to start over. Saquon gets hurt too often. And I like him. Don't get me wrong, but. We don't have the pieces to utilize them properly. It's and you just, can win. You can win in the NFL without a running back, without an uh, without a, a superstar running back. You yeah. can have a m- mediocre. <laughs> this is good. That's funny, John. Great comment. <laughs> Love this. 
I'm just curious. Wow. You know, apparently, apparently Jake is the Shrek figure in our Shrek, our show. I love this. I'm not sure how, but apparently he's Shrek. I feel I, like I would be Donkey. I feel um, like I know this person, but I don't. I feel like it's somebody I know, and they made an account specifically. Uh, you know, just so you know, I feel like I would be Donkey, the know. guy that never stops talking if you're Shrek. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's right. I'll see what wow. Wow. Apparently I'm Shrek. All right. Well, <laughs> I, nice. and Deb, I like this. I like this. All right. But I don't want to talk too much about the Giants because there are more pressing matters that I'm I'm shocked. John, you haven't said it yet. Uh, well, we haven't mentioned baseball yet. Is that what you're asking? Baseball. No. What's baseball? Obviously, it's the biggest story. <clears throat> and this is just right absurd. Now, this is just absurd. I mean, the fact that they can't come to an agreement and they're already missing opening day, canceling it, canceling the first two series, two series of the season. It's ridiculous. <clears throat> and Rob Manfred was smiling like some sort of lunatic, smiling after he made this statement. Up on the podium. Like, get out of here. You are the worst commissioner in sports. You should resign from your post. You're, you might be the worst commissioner I've ever seen in any of the four pro sports. Get out of here. You are awful. I hate you, Rob Manfred. You know I hate you with all my heart. You know what? I got one for you. You ruined John, my please. game. John. Thanks a lot I, for I ruining will, my oh, childhood. John. Rob Manfred. I got one thing, buddy. I don't even need to say he that. now belongs. He now, I think I can add him to the punchable face. Like oh, he has a punchable no face. Even if he doesn't, he automatically does because he ruined. I mean, he ruined a child's game. He ruined Absolutely. baseball. Absolutely. So it's I'm adding horrible. him right now. I'm going to add it in my phone to, you know, people with punchable faces. Rob Manfred, you've been added to the list. Congratulations. <laughs> I, mean, I really don't think that there's ever been a worse commissioner at all of sports. This is, I mean, I've this never is seen a, a commissioner this bad. This, this is truly pathetic to me. I mean, look, I, I get they want to make money, but first of all, these teams make plenty of money. They're doing just fine. Okay, I'm I'm certain of that. Okay, second of all, you are so willing to just cancel games, and you know what that says to me as a commissioner? You don't care about the game, and to me. A commissioner that doesn't care about the game should not be commissioner, period. Simple as that. Simple as that. John is so upset, he's walking away. Um, I just, look, I, I, I get the the owners want money and, you know, try, well, rather to save money, I guess. But, I mean, come on. I, I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. I, I, they've had all this time, and I know we've talked about this before, but I think what bothers me the most, by far, they knew that the agreement was ending. They knew that. Okay. They knew the collective bargaining agreement would be ending, you know, what was it like last month or two months they ago now, whatever. They it was. didn't talk for what, a couple, four months? Yeah. But I, I, when, did this actually, when did it actually expire, John? That last um, month? I think so. It was, I know it was but recent. They didn't just, speak for like four but, months. But on that's, it. that's, well, that was the point I was going to get at is they knew it was ending, right? So they had all this time to prepare. And they knew it was coming to an end. So even if, let's say, it ends at the beginning of February. Again, I don't remember the exact date. But let's say it ends February 1st. Baseball is finished by the latest November. So even if we even if we say completely forego November entirely, you still have December and January to discuss it. You have two months 
in full to discuss. With you can no talk about it while the playoffs on. are happening. But, but I'm saying, I'm saying, let's just exclude while baseball what is being played at all. Matter whenever the MLB I'm, and the MLBPA. Just, on, why can't I'm, they get together in October, November? I'm, you know I'm what just I mean? Saying, like, I'm just saying. Why let's, not? Let's pretend that they don't want to talk about it at all while the season's going on, right? Just absolutely not a word. They will not discuss while the season is being played, right? Including postseason. Even if that's the case, right? And they wait till December starts. So December 1st to February 1st. They have two full months to discuss this still. And then they try how, to cram it all into these past how, couple of days. But that's what I mean. How do you let this happen? I mean, this because, is pathetic. Because the owners don't care. They feel like, well, we're billionaires, so we can just sit on our money. We don't care about the little people, the concession stands people, and the players that are in the minors and, and the guys that don't make anything. We don't care about them. We have our money. You're right. We can cancel games. You know, we can hold out. We have the leverage because MLBPA, they really don't have much leverage. I mean, all they have is the games themselves. You're you're Shrek. I'm high. Apparently. I don't know who this person is. I feel like we got a troll. I love it. I mean, nothing bad about John. It must be his cousin. Oh, I mean, he doesn't know me yet. Again, I think I know who this person is. I have a guess as as, as to who this might be. But, I mean. It is. I know exactly who this person is, guaranteed. (laughs) And we're going to ignore but, them because they don't deserve our time. Anyway, continue. But, wow. But the I fact that... I'll explain, I'll explain after the show who it is to you gentlemen because I know... Okay. Uh, I, I'm 99.9% anyway, sure. It, the MLBPA doesn't have any leverage. The MLB has all the money and all the leverage. And they are willing to hurt the fans. They're willing to hurt the concession people, the ushers. They're willing to hurt all the little people. The people, it, it's not the Mike Trouts that lose out. Yeah, they don't get to play baseball. Those guys are set. It's the people that <clears throat> are trying to make a living for real. The people that don't make much in the minors, the people that are on the bottom of the MLB rosters that don't make much, they're trying to make their livings. That's the people that get hurt. The people that work in the stadiums, people that have everything to do with getting yeah. the games and making their money. The writers, <clears throat> the writers, the people that, you know, the cameramen, people like that that are trying to show up and do their jobs, can't do their jobs necessarily. Those are the people that hurt. And the billionaires and Rob Manfred don't care because they're like, no, you know they what? We're rich. We have what we want <laughs> and we're willing to use you guys, throw it everything against you guys and we don't care. Like they that's what bothers less. me the most is they just don't care about anybody I, except themselves. No, you're right. <laughs> I, I, I think it's the combination of the fact that they don't care at all and the fact that <laughs> They knew this was going to happen. Like this, this scenario was coming up, right? Where the collective bargaining agreement would end, and they knew that, and yet they just let it happen. Uh, the Orioles are a disgusting franchise. Yeah, the number one farm system in baseball. John, they're still one of the so worst good. teams in baseball. I don't and really care. Potentially get Carlos Correa. Hopefully, potentially the season might not happen, and it won't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's, okay. that's just that's an Oriole fans luck. Hey, we go. We're going to get colors. Carlos Correa. No, we're going to get one of the best players no, in baseball. No season for you. You have no chance to get Do him. You want because a cheater on your team? You're you, you have a whole team of cheaters. You're the Yankees. You literally are the epitome of cheating. So get out of here with that nonsense. Don't ask I me that unless that's rhetoric. Yeah. 
that's so sad. I would not want to sign a, a free agent that I know is a cheater. I, I wouldn't want to do it. But then again, you know, when you're the Oreos. You're just mad because we have number one farm system in baseball. Mike Elias and Correa used to I, work together. I told, you, I told you a while ago, you guys were going to be a great team in a couple of years. But the good news is the New York Yankees will always be a good team. We're just never going to win. By the way, John dead, Mozick. Dead last. Dead last. Yeah, MLB ranked dead last. And and he, I think he's the worst commissioner out of the four I've ever seen. I don't. The only one close to him, in my opinion, who who was the commissioner when um was it David Stern? Whenever they they vetoed the uh, Chris Paul to the Lakers trade, was I have it, no idea. I think it was the Chris Paul to the Lakers trade. I think that I was don't David know who Stern. Was, that David was Stern. that was one of the worst. That was one of the worst moves I've seen a commissioner make as far as like just using their abusing their power. Um, yeah, but still, Rob Manfred to me. And and I think Gary Bettman's pretty low too, but Rob Manfred's the worst. Bettman's bad, well, but you know what? Bettman would do this. listens to the show. No, he listens but, to the show to get but, all you know what? I, I'll say this. No, I'll say this in all sincerity. There's one really positive thing he did, and we covered it last year. They got the NHL back on ESPN, and he is one thousand percent always going to be remembered for being a part of that deal. And so you don't have to like him. I don't care what you feel about him. I agree. I, I don't like him. I don't. I don't like him. I don't like Goodell. I don't like any of them. I'd like to nominate Roger Goodell as being one of the worst as well. And I agree. I, I think they're I, all I'd bad. like to nominate so him. That, but that's not the point. But here's the thing. Oh, he asked. John Mosley asked. Well, I'm, just saying, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, for me, at the very least, I can say, you know what? Well, I don't like Batman. I'm not saying I love him. At least he did one thing right. He brought the NHL yeah. back to ESPN, which for them is a huge deal. Right, that is oh, how you revive a sport. Ridiculous. It, and the thing is, we're talking about reviving a sport. Well, the difference between Batman and um, Manfred, Manfred is trying to kill a sport. The way yeah. he's going, he's killing it. Okay, because people are going to not be able to watch it because it's not going to be on. People were losing interest to begin with, so now they have less yep. interest. That's a great I mean, point. I mean, what do you think? You know what I mean? It's it's not like football where yeah, people would be really pissed. Because they miss football. People that like baseball are going to be upset. We're going to be annoyed. And that's because we're actual legitimate fans, right? But people that just passively watch the sport, they don't care. They couldn't care less. It's not like, you know, that sport is, at least in my opinion, as relevant as some of the other sports, right? And it's the same thing with the NHL. And I, I say this as, being the representative for hockey, a guy that loves hockey, right? If the NHL stopped playing, most of America, and I'm, and I'm just talking about America here, right? They wouldn't really care because of the sports, football will always be number one. Basketball is currently number two. And then hockey and baseball kind of just awkwardly share that yeah. three and four. You know, they, they just kind of share the bottom. And that's okay, but at least hockey's doing things to make it better yeah. baseball is yeah, just they're it's, trying. It's, you know but they're, they're stuck in i'm gonna make a bad joke i'm gonna make a bad joke real quick baseball is pulling a plaxico burris shooting himself right in the foot just i mean you see the problem is baseball was clearly third and they're gonna put themselves fourth because they don't know how to run a business you're right they don't know how to yeah you're right they don't know how to market right their stars this, by the way. 
You're right. You're absolutely right. They have no idea how to market Mike Trout and all their guys. If they marketed their guys like the NFL and the NBA do, they'd be a lot more popular. But they don't market. Nobody's starting to market their stars better. Nobody knows who half of these great players are because you don't you don't market them. So nobody knows. Like, yeah, their fans do, but the way other people learn about them is you have to market them. There's not not everybody is like die hard. No, almost everybody like 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 this is our jobs. Like we know a lot of people, but not everybody is like that. Like you got to market it to a lot of these fans so that way they can get used to such and such. And then right. right. does none of that. None. You're right. And again, whose fault is that? Rob, Rob Manfred. Manfred. Right. And I just and again, I'm not saying you disagree with anything I'm saying. I'm just like yeah. I want to yep. I want to emphasize the point yep. that. It's so it's so bad. It's so bad. I mean, you know what? I like this comment. I, I I don't know how true that is. I believe Matt. It wouldn't. I don't think he'd lie to us about that. Of course. It's just it's that is exactly the problem. Your big stars just they just they exist. They just exist. That's it. They don't care. Yeah, it's just it's bad business. It's big, bad business. They, right now, the MLB has some of the best young talent they've had in ages. Yep. yep. They've right. done zero to market yep. any of them. Yep. You're right. You know. I mean, look at, you know what? Let's look at the NHL for a second. Think about it, right? Where do they just hold the All-Star game this year? One of the best places to hold it because not the market itself isn't necessarily great, but in terms of, I guess attraction is a good way to put it. Putting it in Vegas, genius idea. You get the new franchise, right? So let's try and get them involved. You put it in Vegas. I mean, Vegas is Vegas. It speaks for itself. And you have it on ESPN and you're trying new things out. It's so, to me, it's genius. It's absolutely genious. What's baseball doing? Ah, our our collective bargaining agreement's up. Eh, no big deal. We'll figure it out later. Easy, easy. Denzel's talking about me. I have to make sure I bring <laughs> this up. Yes, it did put on weight. You know, I no, been didn't. In, I've been working. I got back to work recently, and he's uh, a liar. The beard adds a couple pounds. You know, he's a liar. This is a big beard. You know, what? I'll tell you what it so. is. The camera adds five pounds. So those five pounds you're seeing, it's the camera. I mean, JB saw me in person. He knows that I'm a strong guy. I'm a muscular guy. He spent a week with me. He knows that I'm a JB. You know. Can you corroborate any of this? Is any of this true? Listen, I've never heard such lies before in my life. <laughs> spent a week with me. You would know. So yeah, and he just said you're a liar. What do you have to say to that? Well, I mean, I think he's a liar, but I mean, he's out of order. Oh, I, I see. I wouldn't that. call Denzel a liar. He thinks I put on five pounds. I've been in the gym. I'm gonna take my compliment how I can get it. So I'm gonna agree with Denzel. It's two to one. You're out, JB. Sorry. Next. You're both out of order. That's a good question. I'm pretty sure we can just because, well, we, we watch baseball. But, you know, I had this conversation with um, Miles Garrett. The when I felt Cleveland his defensive, right bicep. With the Cleveland defensive lineman. <laughs> I said, you know, <laughs> NFL players have a Hold little, on, ad- oh, little animation. John just loves to throw that in there. He's so proud of it. When you saw him dunk in that celebrity contest, his arms are as big on camera as they are in real life. I just want to let you know that. Okay. 
Jobber. I'm no jobber. I'm as real as it gets. I'll job out the best of the best in my weight class. We'll see what that weight class is, but. All right, JB, continue what you're saying. We got a couple minutes. I mean, you know, I was telling Miles Garrett, you know, you guys have a little bit of anonymity, whatever. Anonymity? Another word. Hold on, hold on. Let him finish. Let him finish. Say it, please. Go ahead. I'm good. I'm going to move No, 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 no. no. Finish your sentence. (laughs) They have what, JB? Allegedly. Um, Anonymity. Let's say it together. Anonymity. Anonymity. (laughs) Can we spell it out? I mean, we got StreamYard. We can do this. Was that word around back in the night? That word around back in the 1920s for you or not? Was no, that a vocabulary? Was, was wild, got, saw it get invented. It, it was added to the dictionary. Anyway, so he said he appreciates that because, you know, with face masks and helmets, it's hard to tell who the NFL players are sometimes. But I right. guarantee you they're more well-known than baseball players whose faces are fully exposed. Pretty much. You know. Yep. So kind of crazy. You know what? When you got people like Rob Manfred in charge – who are just don't care, couldn't care less, no. have no 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 care in the world, just whatever. That's what happens. Because I can tell you, NHL is not perfect, MLB is not perfect, NFL is not perfect. But I'll tell you this, they are. <laughs> I'm just ignoring that. They are far better than the, the MLB. They are. I mean. It's like they're on two different planets. At least in my, you know, my personal opinion, it feels like two different planets. Just, you know, every other sport is miles ahead of baseball, and this collective bargaining agreement problem is just the icing on the cake. And it just, it really illustrates that point that they are just, they're not doing it right. And baseball has become a sport for, you know, true baseball enthusiasts and nothing else. And that's and it's as simple as that. It's just sad. It really is. They, they've ruined the great game. Yeah, they have. You know, you don't need anything else. Just play baseball. Stop striking out. Just Bunch play ball. Deal, deal some bases. Yeah, play ball. Bro, and if it. you get rid of that stupid shift, the game will be a lot better. Oh, another horrible thing. Oh, get rid of that yeah. stupid shift. That's a whole other problem. When I want, when a guy hits a ball where uh, in between the right fielder and second base and it's a base hit and, so, and the shortstop catches it, that's a problem. That, again, whole other problem, but understood. Maybe, maybe Rod Manfred just doesn't use his bowl deodorant. Uh, that's just, true. And he just gets I mean, this bad little, boy. A little trouble under pressure. You know, maybe the room started to smell a little bit, and he said, "You know what? I gotta go." And they and they break it off for a couple of days. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll make a final out. joke on that one. We all know Christmas music, and it says, "You know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire." Well, in this case, it's Manfred's nuts. You know, roasting on an open fire. That's what happens. His nuts are under the fire. He can't handle the pressure. He leaves. That is all. He doesn't have his ball toner either. No. But I'm telling you, if he had this bad boy, his nuts wouldn't be burning under that fire. He'd be fine. That's he would, it. but. <sighs> I don't know, guys. I think that's about all the time we have for tonight. I mean, I think we had a great show. I want to thank the people that are here tonight that we're just meeting. And those of you that are always here, I'm sorry you guys are still with us. I'm sorry, but you know, thank you. John, Matt, but now we love you guys. Um, we appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Randy, for uh, coming on up. our Where show. Where can we find you? 
Yes, JB. JB, JB underscore the program on Twitter. NFL Carousel Ox, one of NFL Carousel Thursdays in season, NBA Carousel Monday nights, producing uh, the Inscriber Magazine, the program I believe coming back any day now. Uh, here every Tuesday, DBNA Television, Quantum Star TV. I'm tired. I got nothing else for you, John. Uh, everywhere you can find, I mean, Bluehawks13 on Twitter, Bluehawks13. Instagram, Bluehawks 13 NFL, Instagram, uh, Sideline Sports Network, the best network in the world, um, Fox Sports 1340 AM. Find me freelance writing on there. Um, Sports Arena Monday and Wednesday nights, 10 Eastern time. Check that out. Alex Fleming's NFL Carousel, Thursdays during the football season. And uh, occasionally I appear on South Florida Tribune show on Thursday nights as well. With Scott so, Morganroth, yeah. With Scott Mor- the great Scott Morganroth. So. Indeed. And Inscriber Magazine, of course, with Indeed. Silent Sports. Indeed. You guys can find me on Twitter at Jake underscore Malik. You can find me on Instagram, all social media. Just look up my name. It's the same thing every time. I just – I feel like I'm repeating myself. Uh, more importantly, you can find Sideline Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, as you see, scrolling up. Across the bottom of your screen, it's Sideline Support 1 for those two. YouTube and Facebook is Sideline Sports. We're on TikTok, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that. Just look up Sideline Sports, uh, DBNA Television, Quantum Star TV, all the stuff we already mentioned. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think we've exhausted all the places we are. Um, anything else, gentlemen? Yeah, I mean, make sure you check out my Twitter because I like to uh, own Babcheck on Twitter because, you know, you mean I'm – Blab check. I'm going to beat him in that decathlon. I'm excited for him. Hey, right, Eric's guys. got $13 on it. You're darn right he does. All right. And on that note, everybody have a good one, and we will see you next time. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid.